This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Welcome back, Brian. Welcome back to the Composer Chronicles, and specifically a gameplay episode. It hasn't been that long, has it? Well, since you've been on, I mean, other than the one little voicing that you did in one of the, the historical episodes, last time you were on the show was uh, November of 2020. Dang, dude. Yeah. That time we talked about um, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy. game I play. <laughs> But today isn't about Final Fantasy. It's about a different game. A different kind of fantasy. (laughs) Is it fantasy? I don't know. I just felt like it made sense to say that. I mean, it's definitely fiction, but I don't know if it's fantasy. It's not like magic. Eh. Is it? It's kind of like magic. (laughs) Have we said the name yet? It's Celeste. Celeste. <laughs> the beautiful Celeste. It's Probably one of my favorite games in the last like five years. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Be- and, All around, everything. And fitting, which is why I wanted to talk about this song, this uh, this game, is the music is what made me so attached to it. Yeah, yeah. It's- in addition to it being just an amazing story, an amazing experience. I mean, yeah. I I'm someone. Based on the last episode I was here for, I am someone who, if the music in a game is good, it's going to be something that makes me have the biggest connection to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went on after our episode on Final Fantasy X's music to do a whole episode on our other show about Final Fantasy. Yeah. So I could literally talk about that series forever, and it's something that the music itself is what makes me want to talk about it. Right. Because the memories are all attached to the music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are so many games that I have personally played just because of the soundtrack. I remember just recently I finished playing Death's Door. Yeah. And the reason why I found that game was because one of the podcasters I follow has a Twitch channel. And I happened to be catching their stream while they were taking a break, but the music from the game was still playing in the background. And I was like, oh my gosh, this game's music is gorgeous. So I went and I bought the game and I just played it myself. Well, and that's basically what I knew about Celeste. I took a while to actually get to it. I only played it for the first time a couple, like a month or two ago. Right. And I think it came out in 2017. 2018. 2018. I was close. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still four years ago now. Yeah. Which is that's crazy. surprising. It's crazy. To, but it feels like very... I felt like it came out last year. Yeah. But also, how... there was a year in there that we don't talk about because it didn't exist. And so, therefore, we shall not talk about the dreaded... The lost year, I'll say. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 2020. It's I mean, it feels like the past three years have been lost years. Well, 
Well, hey, 2019 was a good year. Was it? (laughs) It was. It was all right. Well, all right. Well, yeah, it's the year we got engaged, babe. (laughs) I know. I'm just... Um, But the thing that I remember hearing about Celeste from everyone that told me to play it or from when I see, you know, in my YouTube feed videos about is all about the music. Right. I mean, this isn't necessarily a topic that's... 100% 100% original to talk about because so many people have talked about the music of Celeste, but I just, for an episode for this audience, maybe, yeah. maybe an audience that isn't necessarily as clued into video game soundtracks, I thought it would be a good episode. Because yeah. I know you you have a pretty large ranged audience of yeah. demographic. Yeah. And it's funny that this particular episode follows an episode with my friend Dakota, uh, who, like I just said, was last week's episode. And in our episode, he mentioned Lena Rain. Oh, really? As one of his inspirations for his music. But well, she, it, she's one of those composers because she works mostly in like indie game territory. That oh, yeah. It helps that her music is like iconic. It's like you, for a lot of composers, you're not going to care about them, but like you'll care about the Austin Wintries. You'll care about the Lena Rains, And because of his iconic, you'll care about Nobu Aomatsu because they established their own. Oh, absolutely. Basically. No one's going to care who the, I mean, not, not to throw shade, but I don't think I would care about who did the, the composition of music for like call of duty. I, I mean, yeah, I don't See, really know. Like, it's not, it's just like your reaction, your facial reaction. I can do that because I'm in the room with you. Was like, oh, yeah, there's probably music in that game. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not somebody who plays Call of Duty. No, but like, the, you wouldn't even think of it. No. You wouldn't think like music in those kinds of games are, are more to just fill the background noise with like that isn't, so it's not just gun shooting. Right. Um, but then, like, or cutscenes. But then there are games like Halo, which has an iconic soundtrack. Right. I mean, everyone knows the like. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that. It's it's a meme at in some points. There's right. videos of like, there's a video I've seen and probably multiple videos, and I'm just merging them all. It's one where there's like a bunch of guys in a bathroom. They have the the big echoiness of the bathroom. I think it's in like a school, and they're all right. just one person starts, and then they all start, and they all emerge out of the stalls, I and know. there's like dozens yeah. of these boys singing the Halo chorus Oz. Yeah, <laughs> but like when you have a game that's that's also like going back to Celeste, it's the thing that makes it special is the fact that they the the amount of paying attention between the gameplay and the music that happened. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not like it's uncommon to have happen in video games nowadays, but it hasn't always been so intentional. I feel oh, like, yeah. I feel like with only in the last 10 years, have there been video games produced where the, the music itself was like a character within the game. All right. Yeah. Uh, I know when we talked about final fantasy, I was, talking a lot about the music and the and like the motifs that happened and 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 there's plenty of that in Celeste. Oh yeah. But the thing that I that I couldn't really say about the the music use is the music literally plays it's like a trigger. It's like a switch. Oh yeah. It's just there's no even listening because I've I listened to the soundtrack and I still have it on my phone since that episode, but I was listening to that soundtrack, you know, to get myself ready for the episode. And literally every song ends with a fade out because it was meant to just be looped until that right. scenario was done. There's no yeah. triggers. There's no change in beat. There's no escalation, de-escalation. De- de- it's all just the same song from beginning to end. And it's literally, I think, I think the way that they composed that soundtrack to listen to, it's literally the first half of the, the each track is the regular track. And then they literally just loop it once just mm-hmm. so they can see the, um, but the thing with Celeste and the way that soundtrack is built is the tracks play through the progression of every moment that happens for what the song's uses are. Right. So, like, the songs don't 100% link up to every chapter in the game. I think there's eight chapters of the 
base game, and then they, they released a free DLC that's chapter nine. Yeah, it's called Farewell. Farewell. Oh my god! I, I to get myself ready for this episode, I wanted to get some extra knowledge about all the like. I wanted to feel like I could talk about the music instead of just being yeah. a fan of the game itself. <laughs> but I was watching a guy who did this analysis about the Farewell music and learning about the story of that DLC and the reason for that whole experience right. is so heartbreaking. Um, uh, you probably know more about Farewell than I do. I, I pretty much know the base game. So the, the story, I mean, if we're going to, spoiler alert, this is a, yeah. we're going to talk about story elements in this and I pretty much already spoiled the whole thing by playing it on my Twitch channel yeah, already. If you, so if you clued in, if you, if you clued in which and watched you can it, still watch and is on YouTube, I believe. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I mean, if you want to watch me play through this game, just so you can get like moment to moment like reactions of me. Well, first of all, watching me struggle. I was say, this isn't. This, <laughs> this is not a, a professional gaming <laughs> no. Twitch channel. This is no. a. This is purely me trying to consume the things that I'm going to talk about. So in these I, I would, I would, I would, on your behalf, maybe preface by saying if you're looking for like pro gaming Celeste playthroughs, oh yeah, not me. Don't expect it. And, oh, and no. Expect the exact opposite. Cheesing the 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 ever living crap out of the fact that you were just trying to get the musical experience from it, right? Which but, is what that that should be. I mean, right. We're not trying to be right, but at the same time. I do frequently talk about the musical things that go on as as I'm streaming, as I'm playing. I'm constantly you're, referencing yeah, certain musical it. things that happen while I'm playing you're the game. Basically, playing so. it from the music historian side of right. Of so what you're, you're you're doing it the way you should be doing it for your channel, right? So if you once you finish listening to us talk, or maybe if you want to go and watch the stream before you listen to this or continue listening to this well, at yeah, this point. I just don't want to spoil anything. But, I mean, the game also has been out for four years. So what are you doing? Where you <laughs> and, been? Anyway, so anyway, you're, gonna so, about to, you're about to spoil some things. So I wanted to spoil at least just the quick story of the farewell because I don't think I'm going to – I haven't played it myself. I only found out about the DLC today. And I'm from what I know, it's – Celeste, for those who don't know – is a difficult game. Oh, it's very difficult. It's probably one of the most difficult games out there. I had to play on assist mode. And like, like cheese the, and cheese the, <laughs> the fuck out of this to get through the game. And and again, playing it from a, a music historian side, trying to get the information out of it is what was important to the stream. Right. But I haven't played through this. I haven't even played. Th- there's a, there's a, epilogue chapter that I haven't even gone through myself because it's just so hard. Like the game, it's the base game is hard, but it's achievable for the average player. I would say. Yeah. If you're willing to put the time. Yeah. If if you're not just trying to get through it, like, like I know you didn't have a whole lot of time leading up to this episode to, to stream it. So I think you were just trying to get it done. Uh, Definitely by the end. I would recommend you play, try to play through it from, like, yeah, I mean, your, in your free time, there are certain chapters where I was like, I'm getting to the point where I'm running out of time. Right. And I just put on like every possible assist mode thing. And it was like invincibility, uh, yeah. like infinite dashes. And I literally there were times where like my character, Madeline, didn't touch anything. Yeah. I was just dashing through the air constantly which again this is, <laughs> there was more of an error of trying to get through it so you could have right. the information to do this episode well i was trying to get through and be able to point out certain musical things right, and yeah. like That's, so uh, yeah yeah um but the farewell from the guy i watched the video i did analysis about the music it was specifically about the music but right. he made the comment that it took him just that one chapter alone over 10 hours. Wow. Um, but the story of Farewell, um, do you remember the old lady in the game? Yeah, Granny. She passes away. Aww. And so the story is Celeste, she has this dream about visiting her grave. Aww. And she then takes the urge to go like visit and she has this conflict with with the the bad line, which is the fans call her, or um, also known as the par- part of her. Who's part like of the, me, the, yeah. The evil, not really evil, that's not fair to say. It's the anxiety within... It's the anxiety, yeah. ...within uh, Celeste, who ends up 
starting as an enemy in the base game and becoming a friend, an awkward friend. Yeah. I um, would say she's more so the cautious side more than anything. She's definitely she, yeah. Well, she's 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 the anxiety side. She's right. the like, why bother doing what you're doing? It's pointless. And then, it, well, but it's too hard. It's, or, it's or. the way. And, and I want to talk about that more solidified together. But so in this DLC, um, you the Celeste is, has this conflict with with going to visit this grave, and Battleline, part of her. I'm just going to call her Battleline because it's. That's what most fans call That's it. That's how it's referenced most. I mean, in-game, she's known as part of her, but it's also a weird way to reference a person as like a, a thing when she's kind of her own Well, entity. in the game, it's always referenced as she is or that is right. or whatever a part of me. Yeah, yeah. So, And there's no really, really no name. The only time you ever know that they're actually referencing it is because the fact that they bold the words and put it in a different yeah, color. They, they do a lot of clever because the whole game is communicating text boxes. Right. So everything, every time they have like they're trying to put personality into or emphasis on, on certain things they do it with like word art, text animation things. Yeah. Um, so she has this conflict with bad line and bad line leaves and she's left basically the way she started the the game with but she follows this bird that the bird is symbolizing granny up to the top of this new peak basically mm-hmm. and the game is like it does this really cool mechanic that I, that I learned about where like you get to the end of the level and you collect the crystal heart which indicates that it's the end of the level and you it does like the big like Shushi animation that you did for collecting the the crystal heart, and it goes, and then Ma- uh, Madeline cuts in and goes, "Wait, this can't be the end. I'm not there yet." Like, and basically stops the end, the level from ending, and forces herself to go forward into like the beyond, beyond. Mm. And it's at that point that the game actually clues in players on like advanced tactics of how to play the game, like tactics that speedrunners found out how to do to help themselves so like it's like advanced mode and the game gets even harder this guy that i watched this video died over three thousand times playing this one well level. and that's the other thing is they tell you how many times yeah, they, you die. They, count, they, they keep a tally of that to help you rem- remember like your your shortcomings your struggles um but the the so the so the whole it's it's just a very intense journey to basically kind of symbolized the intensity of grief in farewell and how right. someone who struggles with anxiety and depression can kind of have that feel even infinitesimally more like amplified and the, right. because the level is so like nearly impossible to do and there's like very few checkpoints there's huge Rooms. The game is like a, f- a frame or a room-based platformer, so you get to the edge of the level, and then it scrolls over to the next room, and then if you die in that room, you start at the beginning of that room. Right. This level has large rooms. Yeah. So if you die at the very end, you start at the very, very beginning, and that's part of the struggle is like it was meant to be stylized that way. It was meant to have this feeling of like, I, I have to keep pushing through the hardest parts of my life because staying here is going to to damage me. Right. Basically. So it's it very much leaned into that idea. What the game does so well is handling the struggle of the mental health because the game is is very directly a metaphor for overcoming your depression and anxiety. Yeah. <clears throat> for those that don't know the story of the base game. Madeline is the main character, obviously, we right. established. She kind of unknowingly at the beginning starts out on this journey to climb this mountain that's called Celeste. Yeah. and Which is an actual mountain in Canada. Yeah, although they definitely blew the whole thing up. Celeste isn't as large of a mountain. Right. As, well, yeah. yeah, I think they liked it because it sounds pretty. It sounds pretty. Yeah. It's a good name for a game. Um but so her journey is to, she just wants to climb this mountain. Right. She, I think she was told by her mom or someone that it had like 
is this ability to really get at your soul. So she wanted to just, she wanted to do that and she wanted to achieve something. A lot, a lot of times the dialogue, when people ask her why she's doing it throughout the game, she just says, it's something I have to do. Like she's just, that's, that's her reasoning is just, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the journey takes her through all these places, meeting Granny, who we've mentioned. Yeah. Um, who's kind of the, the troll of the game. Yeah. Because she's just <laughs> constantly laughing at, at Madeline's attempt to climb this mountain. Yeah. Um, in a kind of like an endearing way. Like yeah. you're kind of like. Well, it also pushes her quite a bit. Right. Too. It's, it's, it's that, it's like the, she's the driving force of Madeline going, I'll prove that woman wrong. Right. Um, but obviously during the, tr- the, the adventure becomes a friend to Madeline and is, is, you know, part of like the, the main cast of characters. Cause there's not a lot of main, uh, there's not a lot of NPCs in this game. No. Um, there's really only five. Yeah. Um, and then you also, while you're climbing, meet up with another fellow climber named Theo, who is really the emotional rock of like, like the, yeah, the one who grounds Madeline the whole time. Yeah. Teaches her how to, to cope cope with things. And, and and is also a friend very like, he's probably my favorite of the characters because he's just a sweetheart. He's a but very, they don't shy away from the fact that he has his own problems. Right. Well, too. that's the yeah, that's the thing that it's great about is it's it basically doesn't make anyone seem free from the mental health struggles that basically everyone struggles with. Right. I like I don't know anyone that doesn't struggle with mental health, and right. anyone that says they don't probably isn't being real with themselves. If I'm being honest, literally everyone because I've watched a few videos about the music of Celeste. Every one of the, the people that did their video essay started off the saying, "I've had my own struggles." I'm like, yeah, we've all had our own struggles because life is difficult. Life is a hard thing to get through. Yeah. Um, so that was that's a great feature is, is being able to see Theo, who's this character who has, for the most part in throughout the game, someone who even Madeline looks up to in the standpoint of being someone who seems like they have their, their shit together. Right. When, in fact, he's just as, as you know, lost and, and you know, broken's not the right word because it's not right to say it. It's not, that's a bad word to say for mental health reasons because no one who has mental health problems is broken they're just they're 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 having their own difficult problems to struggle but so it's nice to see that they have that they show someone who seems so strong and so helpful at helping others with those those problems have their own problems right and then uh you have the hotel owner uh mr ashido yeah mr ashido um, he is kind of one of the, probably the the uh, one of the most tragic. I think he's probably the most tragic characters in the main game. Yeah. In the main game, because yeah. um, he's actually a spirit who resides in a hotel on that's like on the mountainside, right? Um, and he was the owner of this hotel and. I don't know if you if you found all of his notes when you played through. I found um, one note, and it was the only chapter I actually never ended up finishing. Oh, uh, okay. Um, he's he's an he's an, a reluctant friend, it, in the end, um, but he's basically his his he's the denial of the grief process. His, right. Basically, his whole mo. He's a spirit. trapped in this hotel basically um but he doesn't know that his business has failed he doesn't know that the hotel has gone under it's actually gone under at this point yeah so he speaks to madeline in a way that makes him like 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 that the hotel's still up and running even though no one's there and it's run down and grungy and grimy and and gross basically basically making madeline clean it up yeah and that's the that's like the whole thing is the 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 dangers in the hotel aren't um spikes or i mean like they're not the the other thing like the spikes and and crystals that you can get killed on in the game are the most common in this level it's um what i found out which makes sense is basically like 
corrupted dust. Yeah. So all those like wispy black, like creepy looking like the dust clouds and like the stuff that line the wall. That's all supposed supposed to be like the manifestation of the grief of 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 um, Mister What's His Face. Ashido. Ashido. I completely forgot right after you said it. Um, it's basically the the personified grief of him, and the fact that this place has become derelict, right, and run down. So he keeps trying to help you check into your room. That's his whole his whole Bringing thing. Bringing you up to the penthouse, and even though yeah. you kind of try to like clue him into the fact that it's not a hotel and it's kind of run down, he doesn't really pick up on any of it. And then you go to help him and clean up his hotel. You put away the, the towels and like the books and the furniture and everything. Yeah. And you clean up the place, literally. And he actually gets kind of like embarrassed that he had to, that you had to help him. And then as you go to like try to move on from staying at his hotel, he like loses it. Yeah. He literally turns into a, like a, a, a monster and chases you. It's the final part of, the, of that level is him... It's not scary necessarily. I mean, I don't find it scary, but it's definitely like it's haunting and it's so sad because he you were trying to just help him, but he was so lost in his in his denial that he couldn't be helped in the, in right. the at least not at that moment. So you find yourself running away from him and as you, as you finish that that chase scene, as you get to the end you finish that that segment, he basically like collapses in in his grief. And tells you never to come back as you continue on. Right. It's very, it's very unfortunate because he's 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 a he's a nice guy. He's just and and of course the the biggest hint um, with with his his whole story from the very beginning, the fact that he is a spirit means that he uh, killed himself or is implied that he died within the hotel. But there's a lot of. Well, I figured he had died in at least the context because I was able to pick up was that he died in the hotel. But yeah, f- but from what I picked up, especially based on a lot of the, the text that that's found in different parts of that level, there's a lot of sadness and regret and depression going on. And because mm. a game centers around mental health, it, I don't think it's explicitly said obviously because it's, wouldn't be that dark but it's kind of implied that he possibly did yeah because of the failing of the business because it was like his whole thing like he he like there's a lot of references to him like it's his it's his like biggest dream is gone and his like you know he loved everyone that worked there and he had to like let them all go and it killed like it basically like tore him up inside like there's a lot of heavy implication that because of the the fact that he's still in such denial of the place that the the state of the place that it kind of people have deter- have basically come to to the conclusion based on the the depth of his his kind of damaged psyche that he uh couldn't handle it anymore right um and then so yeah those and then of course the part of her which is the embodiment of celeste right. anxiety and the whole story with her, which is basically the the main story of the game, deal, deals with Madeline climbing this mountain and ends up having to physically confront her anxiety uh, in the form of Madeline. And Madeline starts off chasing you for the for the early sections. Then, as you try to get back at her, she trusts continues to assault you by shooting you with energy balls and all these kinds of in-game mechanics that she has the ability to do. Um, because she is a, she's basically just as afraid as Madeline is with all of her issues going on. Right. And the big change of heart, what that happens with them is, is Madeline finally coming to terms with, with accepting her anxiety as a part of her, which is the thing that she spent the whole beginning of the game like confronting against right thinking that she doesn't need anxiety it's not you know it's not healthy for her it's not like it shouldn't be there in the first place she needs to just to get over this anxiety when which is what i think i really liked about the game is the way it showed that anxiety is never going to be something that we can just get rid of it's part of you it's part of you exactly why they call it part of um 
and it's always going to be there. And in fact, your anxiety, you shouldn't want it to go away completely because it, it has its own power, which is exactly what Madeline represents. Because as soon as Madeline confronts her, um, her anxiety and accepts her and they, they become basically on, um, on equal footing and reluctant friends, Madeline actually gets more powerful. Because in the beginning of the game, you start out with uh, three basic moves, a jump, a dash, and a wall climb. After you join up with Battleline, you actually get a double dash, which allows you to go... Th- it makes the game easier while the game gets harder. Like right. the mechanics are... You've already mastered the dash at this point, so you, def- you get another one to help you out with the puzzles that are going to come next. And it makes the game easier in that aspect, but also the levels get harder. And you wouldn't even be able to do the levels without that double dash. Right. So it's one of those things where literally the the point of the game is not to get over the anxiety. It's supposed to help kind of make you realize that having anxiety is perfectly normal and, and actually can be used to help you. Because that's what anxiety should be used for if you can find the ways and the help to help yourself feel that way about it, it can in fact make you more cautious in a smarter way about things. And that's kind of the whole point. Uh, um, But the thing that does make to go back to the point of this episode, (laughs) the thing that makes this game so wonderful is the way the music is, is used to, amplify the anxiety and and also at the same point minimize it as well within yourself right because the music is meant to be used to help soothe you when you need to be soothed and kind of give you the the you stress like the helpful stress when you need it to help you by giving you like the motivation or giving you like the or even giving you the emotional stings that you need to feel to help you connect to the story Right, and that's what Lena Rain has done so wonderfully is pair up the two sides of it, because a lot of the tracks, a lot of the, especially like the beginning parts of the levels, which always start out less intense and get more intense as you get further into the level, and you can actually hear based on your progression the the music getting more and more amplified, right, and more like added to, and there's just like the variations that come through each beginning middle and end of every level is like really cool to t- sort of hear depending on how well you're doing right basically um but the anxiety parts that you can really tell there's one scene um where you're in a, in a sky gondola with theo uh, theo yeah. and you're going up and halfway through it stops mid journey and you're just stuck there madeline has a panic attack because yeah. she's already been through a lot, has a lot left to go, and is like, "We can't. Like, this isn't. This isn't happening. It can't. No. No. No." And Theo's trying to talk her off the ledge. And as the visuals get more and more prominent, with like, there's like this indication of battle line. She's sitting on top of the sky gondola, and she has like one of the things that they give you reference to is her hair is like kind of gets its own personality and its own anger so yeah. like it starts to like fill up the sides of the, the 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 screen and it starts to cloud and looks like it's coming for madeline who's in the direct center of the of this the screen right and as she has this panic attack the music is building from from this like piano this gentle piano that's actually playing what's kind of referred to as madeline's motif right throughout all this the whole soundtrack as that plays and it's very it's already kind of uneasy with the with the with the tempo and the and the arrangement of that particular section of music the this these like alarm sounding like synths come in to literally drown out her theme indicating how panicked and how on alert she is as she's feeling this anxiety but then what's really great in the way that they do it and the way that they make the music in sync with the gameplay itself as she's having this panic attack, Theo is telling her to relax and gives her this coping mechanism to help him, to help her out by making her think of a, of a feather and helping her to breathe by 
lifting and letting the feather fall. So you actually have to do this little in-game mechanic to keep the feather up and then let it drop. And as that happens, the, the alarm sounds start to deafen every iteration of this basically breathing exercise that she that she's going through and as she does and as the the feather kind of becomes the in rhythm to how you feel like you should be breathing to get yourself through a panic attack the music slowly turns back into that gentle piano riff right in a way that makes you i don't think anyone that's clued into the the way that they tie that together in the in the code of the game the way that they it's like it's deliberately done to make sure that you like you can feel the relaxing of the panic attack right as she's feeling the relaxing of the panic attack. Right. Um, and those are moments that make the soundtrack to me so dynamic in itself because a lot of video game soundtracks do what I'd said about the Final Fantasy treatment where it just feels like a trigger on and off. It just feels like, you know, you enter a room the music might change or you enter a scenario like a f- an enemy spots you and the music suddenly gets epic and intense or you enter like Dark Souls boss room music <laughs> turns into that boss's theme song this is very much where the music is so fluid with the way it connects the pieces together yeah and so even just like the feeling of of going through certain sections of the game literally giving you the feelings of like oh like i'm i'm getting through this and i'm feeling successful and i'm coming over like this feeling of of like i can't do it by succeeding and the music's getting more amped up and i'm getting more amped up right it has a direct correlation and it's it's perfectly executed by how i feel it does like it does the job perfectly music be like i certainly don't want to know this podcast would not exist luckily we don't have to find out what that world is like i do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts and it's not just for entertainment i'm constantly doing research for this podcast and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiance. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash the Composer Chronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. particular song that from one of the like kind of middle chapters that I found to be really cool um, that I wanted to bring up to 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 be one of the last songs I specifically want to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, 
only because it has to me the, the the most intense of the the meaningful song choices for this game. Um, in chapter five, it's called the Mirror Temple, right. which is one of the most like it's kind of the climax of the the anxiety, depression, frustration oh, yeah. feeling. It's it's basically the, the the epitome of the game's message in this one in this one chapter, right? Um, and there's actually a hidden message in the music. Yeah, I do know this, and I actually did point it out when I was playing through. There's um, in the rescue section uh, when you, the right after the mirror breaks, um, the song gets reversed. I don't know if you knew that the actual like composition reverses. Yeah, yeah. and a whispering sound can be heard in, mm-hmm. in the music track while you're playing through it. And it's itself reversed. And, and so you can't, you can't make it out what you're, what she's saying when she's playing it, but it's Lena, Lena's voice, um, which you're supposed to interpret as Madeline. That's the way that it's supposed to seem, uh, you know, interpreted as, right. um, but the message people have obviously been able to reverse it back to hear what it's not, what the message says. And it's a little haunting and a little sad. I'll read it for you now. Okay. Uh, it says, sometimes I don't really know what's going on anymore. I, I don't know who I am. I just look in the mirror and I don't know who I'm looking at or who's looking at me. I think a lot about where my train of thought is going and it's not always a good place. And that scares me. I don't like scaring myself. I don't. Yeah. Which, again, just speaks to, I mean, I know Lena herself has gone on interviews about the music itself and said that she said she basically wrote the song as if, she, the, the, well, not just the song, the whole soundtrack, as if she herself was Madeline because she related so much to Madeline. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, I, a lot of people on this, de- a lot of developers in this game related to Madeline. Oh yeah, this. I mean, the main, the main game uh, developer, the the head right. guy, he basically used his own experience and his own feelings of depression, anxiety as his basis for this game not just that but um it wasn't confirmed until later on that madeline was a trans uh, transgender character well that's the other thing is lena is herself transgender so i think right. she really feels a connection the developer maddie thorson is also transgender and once uh, it was madeline's transgenderness was hidden from from the game originally until Maddie came out as transgender and then specifically said that Madeline was her uh, reflection. I mean, it makes sense that when, you know, Maddie took that name during her transition, Madeline is the main character. I mean, it's pretty uh, one-to-one in a... I mean, and and the thing that's great is that they... They just they utilize the fact that it, literally anyone could could see themselves, and even the way that they make the game, you can name your character. So like when I played through it for the first time, I was Brian. I played through as Brian. Yeah. So I didn't change the name. I just I just did because I didn't really know. I didn't know the name would even come up that much. I thought I was naming my save file. Right. And then I realized that I had named my character. So it's even that's like. It's not, it's not like Madeline's the name of the character from a development standpoint, but it doesn't even mean that's the actual, like your headcanon can be the fact that, you know, the main character of the game is you. Yeah. So. Like you're the one climbing this mountain. You're the one that has the problems. That's the kind of point I think is the, I mean, the game itself is, is trying to aid you in feeling like it's your journey, not someone else's journey. Right. Even the helpful way some of the, the the loading screens give you little like reassuring messages. Yeah. Like some of the loading screens will be like like one of the things that you can collect as a collectible in the game are strawberries. Right. And that's the main collectible. Yeah. There's there's like the cassette tapes. There's the crystal hearts and, um, but the the strawberries are the the most 
like there's like a hundred and something in them. And yeah, hundred and fourteen, I think. Something. I collected them all. Yeah. Um, but the the game in like the very like one of the very first loading screens because they know you're starting out has a a, a tip that says. Just remember that that the collecting the strawberries is not part of the, is not a main part of the game, and it's you don't have to do it. It's only if you want to feel like you can impress your friends, yeah, or something that helps you feel like you don't have to collect them. It's not going to keep you from playing through the game if you you know avoid all of the strawberries. Yeah, but it's a nice little thing that they tell you to kind of make you feel less stressed about having to collect them all. I mean, if you're a completionist, of course you're going to collect them all, but. If you're someone who just wants to play through the story for the story, then right. it's just kind of a nice little, like, there's no stress, no worry about it. Although, if you do collect all the strawberries, yeah. you get a cute little, like, so the ending of the game, after <clears throat> so the, you know, after you climb the mountain, uh, the little tiny epilogue has you and all, all of the friends you made along the way join up at Granny's ho- home on the mountain and you bake everyone a strawberry pie. Yeah. And the more strawberries you collect, the more delicious it is. So you get yeah. these little dialogue options that change depending on how, how much you decided to collect throughout the game. So it doesn't, it doesn't have any like legitimate, like you, the game will not progress forward if you don't collect enough kind of things. But you get these little like rewards that are cute. They're cute rewards. Sometimes games, especially more newer like AAA games, like to rely on locking better equipment or better you know abilities behind the fact that they want you to play their game through its 100 percent completion right that it's kind of nice that the only thing you get out of it is this little tiny like reward for yourself like it's just for for a game that handles like small victories in a very literal way it's a nice little final victory when you collect all of them and everyone's talking about how great your pie is because you had all these wonderful strawberries to use. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's the kind of game that it's, it pushes you very far in your, in your own mental health because it talks about a lot of stuff, but also the game itself is grueling. Yeah. But the fact that you have the way the, the, the game plays is set up to make you feel like every time you succeed over something that you took 20 tries to get through and you finally get through it and it gives you that, that like confidence to do other things, you know, it gives you that push to, right. To, I mean, it's, it's a game that I appreciated from my own mental health standpoint. And I think a lot of people that have covered and talked about it felt the same connection, which right. is why they've already done 800 of these kinds of breakthrough, big breakdowns and, Analysis is why people have bothered to give the, this game the attention that people have given it because I think it really has helped a lot of people. And even I think they won a, a, one of the video game awards. Um, and I remember, uh, I think it was the the main developer, Maddie, probably when they were doing their uh, acceptance speech and said something along the lines of like, if, if, it was like something very heartfelt of like on the line of like, if this game has helped you at all, it makes me so happy because it's helped me too. something very yeah. reassuring. Cause I think it's, you don't have a lot of games that are so blunt about the fact that they're about mental health. I feel like it's been a touchy thing for people to, to develop so boldly on. Yeah. Cause you've had, there's been a lot of games that have come out that are, that touch on it in their own ways and maybe not always in the most healthy of ways. Right. That it's nice to see it kind of like, there's no mincing of anything. There's no, like the symbol, the symbols are so literal that they're barely symbols. Right. Um, and it's just one of those games where if, if you're, if you're a fan of like platformers, platformers being the kind of Mario style jumping onto platforms and yeah. traversing, it's a incredibly fun game. Um, and the mechanics are smooth. If you're someone who's like has a kind of platforming itch that hasn't been itched in a while because there haven't been a lot of good platformers lately, this is definitely a game that if you haven't checked out, you need to. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. So I definitely, if anyone's looking for a new game to get into, then it's again, it it doesn't require you to have a lot of prior experience in any other game. It's not like you need to have played a bunch of games to know how to play this game. Yeah. Um, 
and it's you know a game about it teaches you some patience it teaches you how to how to <laughs> deal with your stress and patience is a key word here well why because your own experience yeah well it was it was quite difficult to get through and sometimes i well a lot of the times i was like all right i gotta move on because if i don't then i'm just gonna get stuck well that's why i i, I threw it out there kind of briefly but i think you, i think you would benefit a lot from playing through the game on your own from beginning to end with no help yeah only because it's it feels very liberating yeah I was actively like when I got through the summit when I was like the the last the last section of the bait the main game has you climbing up the the final like hundred meters and every level starts with how far away from you from the top you are and so when you start out in the final level you're like a hundred meters away and there's like at a certain point there's like a flag at every meter and the flags are become your respawn your respawn points because the as you get closer to the top, the gameplay gets harder and harder. Yeah. And so as you get to the very, very top, there's like every meter has one and it's literally a countdown for you to feel like you're getting to the end. Right. And it feels so satisfying to finally see you get from like 25 to 10 to five to three to two to one, like to the very top. It's just, oh, yeah. that feeling alone is very gratifying. Right. Um, but I do hope that that people. I mean, I hope that, that the amount of people that have been helped by this game's message uh, is exactly what the developers were hoping for. Because I know I felt better about my own mental health after playing it. Because it doesn't always feel like we're allowed to have mental health problems in right. society. So, yeah. But one thing, I mean, you've mentioned that one of the collectibles of the game is as a cassette player is a cassette yeah, tape cassette tapes that are um they you collect them and they unlock these these b-sides and c-sides the levels which are like basically like remixed levels right um right um one one of the cool things that i found about uh lana ray uh lana rain has uh a band camp of course because yeah why wouldn't an artist want to try and sell their music and get as much money out of it as of they can? Um, one of the options for buying the soundtrack is to do it on a cassette. You can buy a cassette. Oh, that's cute. Um, it's a limited edition cassette. Um, it's currently not sold out like some other versions of the, of the soundtrack is. Um, but, uh, I think that's cute is knowing the fact that you have this a side b side and occasionally even c side yeah uh, of the games and knowing that's one of the collectibles and i'm sure that it was a very very conscious decision oh yeah but uh you can still buy it i mean the album itself on her band camp is only nine bucks um mm, the cassette tape is twelve dollars which yeah I mean, I mean, unfortunately, I don't, don't know how. We don't own a cassette player. We own a record player, but not, which you can buy. Know, you can I also wanna, buy the record. I want to get the vinyl of the album. This is the kind of album that I have on, that I've had on my phone that I listen to for fun. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to a lot of like soundtracks that are like this for games because I don't find them always meshing well with what I'm kind of trying to vibe to. But this is. I think I have like three or four game albums on my phone that I listen to regularly. And this is one of them. Cause, cause even the, um, the music itself, a lot of like the more relaxing pieces are kind of on par with the like chill, chill, lo-fi vibes to yeah. study or work to like, that's basically what some of the songs are like. And so they do make for some pretty good background music. Yeah. I mean, some of them, yeah, I mean, not again, of not some of them, them get super intense. Well, that's my point. Like the, the 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 ones for the levels are typically like that, and even the progression that kind of gets them more amped up. To me, they just kind of make me feel more motivated. Like I, I would use one of those songs probably like the more little more intense ones to start a workout for. Like, oh yeah, because they start out nice and calm, so you can kind of get your warm ups done, and then all of a sudden as it picks up, you get 
Yeah. You start to get into the moment and you're like, yeah, you just start wanting to get into it. Yeah, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think with with this game, it seems that Lena has kind of prompted a new generation of music, uh, video, specifically video game music. It's I mean, it's not necessarily brand new because it's a style that picks up on a lot of older styles and just it's, com- combines it, them all together. It, it, it kind of combines chiptune music, which is oh, what yeah. that is, like the 8-bit, like, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do, like, yeah. with classical music elements. Like, there's violins and pianos that yeah. are used as, like, they're not, they're not MIDI tracks. They're actual instruments. Samples, yeah. They're actual sampled samples. sounds, yeah. Instead of just having it turned into, you know, like, data for the mute, for the game to use. Right. Uh, so it's it's a kind of a blend of of because it's synthy, but it's got the traditional music. It's got the that blend, in it, and it does it pretty well. And even yeah. does it sometimes intentionally harshly to mimic the vibe. Like you have like in that anxiety track, it goes from being this gentle piano to these blaring alarm synths on top of it that clash with each other yeah. on purpose. Right. I think that's going to be it for now. Everyone check out the game or the, and support the, the, the developers and yeah. the musicians involved. Yeah. Everything you can find everything in support the, in the show notes. Women. And, yeah. Um, if you want to listen to this mu- the music of this game, of course, I will list the Bandcamp in the show notes. Uh, you can also go and listen to it pretty much wherever it's streamed, but always go and support the artists as much as you can. Um, if you also want to watch somebody play this, not very well, but if you want to at least get a watch enough to, to understand the music, you can always go on my YouTube channel where I posted all of my streams that I did at this game. Um, you can watch me miserably fail. Um, you can also watch other people play it, but watch me instead. Because <laughs> I actually talk about the music as I'm playing. I saying, you can watch anyone play through a game, but you want to watch this guy play through you a wanna game. You want to watch me. Um, and if you want to learn more about Brian... Brian, what you got going on? I mean, we have our own podcast together. We do. That I don't think enough of your listeners listen to, so please listen to our show. <laughs> it's called Cultured, but not really. And it's a bi-weekly uh, show about whatever we feel like we want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but specifically, we talk about things that, that are pretty either at this moment or at some point in time have been culturally relevant. And more, I mean, we usually always end up tying it to something that is still culturally relevant. Yeah. Like why it's still important to talk about or how it's impacted our current culture. And even stuff. and, And I mean, the show started as an idea of talking about stuff that we may not even realize is, is not thought of as the, the cultural significance, like, entry point for certain things like our most recent episode um one of our most recent episodes i don't uh, I, it won't be our most recent episode after not after <laughs> after this well we're recording it soon but it, to break the timeline of your release out a little bit um but one of the most recent episodes i, I did on uh, was on battle royale the mm-hmm. the uh book slash movie slash manga series and how it kind of connects to a lot of more modern video games and and other series that may not even been realized that they have been impacted by yeah um, and even similarities between another more popular uh movie franchise the hunger games and how yeah. it, how it felt like there was almost a ripoff of sorts that didn't actually happen yeah um, so go check out our show it's on or wherever you can get podcasts yeah do it 
All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me again. I know it's it's you know, I'm so busy with my schedule and it's so hard <laughs> to get into the studio that is our living room. <laughs> but I have fun. Yeah. Let's do this more often. We do. I mean on your show. <laughs> I talk to you every day. You do. Love you, babe. Love you too. This episode of The Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Trigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Join our community of music lovers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Con Podcasts. Here you can engage with our incredible community of music professionals and enthusiasts while staying up to date on news pertaining to our past guests. For more information about this podcast and to learn more about the composers, music professionals, and other featured guests on the show, Here's the alexandriamedia.org slash the Composer Chronicles. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.